Good morning, Grace. It is a privilege and pleasure to be with you again this morning to proclaim God's Word. We are in our third and concluding week of a, of a little uh, series on some of the passages dealing with the one another commands as we consider uh, what it means to be a gospel-proclaiming, equipping, nurturing, and sending church transformed by the redeeming work of Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill our, our mission, or excuse me, our vision to present everyone mature in Christ, we want to take a practical look at how it is that we live in community. How do we one another one another? And so two weeks ago, uh, we started off our series with uh, Jackson preaching from Colossians 3, starting with God's Word, about needing to let the Word of Christ dwell richly in us so that we can admonish and teach one another and to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And last week, Kenny uh, took us to Galatians 6, 2 and how we need to not merely call other people, uh, call one another to Christ, but we also need to help one another to do the things that we call them to in Christ by bearing one another's burdens. And so this morning, our text will be 1 Peter 4.10. 1 Peter 4.10 is a fitting summary uh, to this little series as it exhorts us uh, more generally, to serve one another out of the grace that we have received. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to that, we're going to just keep uh, the central verse there up on the, on the screen, but I do want us to read this verse in its fuller context. Uh, please follow along with me if, if, if you have your Bibles there. I'm going to start at verse 7, and I'm going to continue on past into verse 11. The end of all things is at hand, and therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace." Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would glorify yourself through Jesus Christ through your word. Father, would you speak through me? Would you quicken our hearts to receive your word? Lord, may we be convicted where we need to be convicted. May we be encouraged where we need to be encouraged. And may we be drawn to receive the gift you, has give, you have given us in Christ. Lord, we want to serve you but we are small, we are local, we are frail. Lord, we can only do this by the strength that you provide. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that enables us to do this. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. 
So central verse uh, that uh, Kenny chose for us to wrap things up is each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And as I was thinking about this verse, of course, uh, this was over Christmas time and all that, so I couldn't help thinking about gifts. And uh, in, in the spirit of Christmas gift giving and receiving, having been a child uh, and having my own children now, it occurred to me that uh, the first part of that verse uh, might be said in a Christmas time uh, sort of context, but not with what follows from Peter. I think of myself uh, as, as, as a parent, as each has received a gift. Keep your hands off each other's gifts. As each of you has received a gift, go upstairs and play with them quietly so that your mother and I can have 15 minutes of peace. There's something about gift giving at Christmas time, birthdays, and all of that that, that can kind of draw out, unfortunately, uh, the, the greedier tendencies of our flesh. Um, and, and that's true as, as adults, too, right? How many of you received a Christmas gift that was consumable and you consumed it all by yourself? <laughs> maybe you took it up into your room. Maybe, you, like my aunt one year, locked herself in the bathroom just so she could eat a bag of potato chips. But as I was thinking about it this morning, it occurred to me, you know, there's another occasion for gift giving that is a better picture of, of what the way of the cross is. And it's in the context of weddings. Wedding gifts. I want you to think about how wedding gifts are different from Christmas gifts and birthday gifts. If you've ever attended a wedding and you, you go to the, the registry and you're like, oh, yeah, what, what do they need? Okay, okay, oh, oh, toaster's taken. Shoot, that's our go-to. Um, you know, what, what, what do we choose? Or, or maybe, maybe you remember your own uh, wedding gifts, those of you who've been married and, and uh, what, what you've received. There's, there's something interesting about wedding gifts. We're always... We would be deeply suspicious if we went to the registry uh, and saw a listed there like fishing pole, <laughs> right? Something, <laughs> something, something highly individualized. The thing about wedding gifts is that they are all designed to be used together, right? It's for the bride and groom together to use them, or at least and sometimes in addition, to also then be used in a broader context as they build a home together and welcome other people into it. That's why if you give a, a wedding gift, there's a part, if you're a close friend or a family member, it's not that, okay, you got married and then they retreat and you never see them again. It's like, oh, when, when are you going to have us over? And then you look for that wedding gift, don't you? <laughs> right? Are they using it? <laughs> okay. Yes, we made you some toast. <laughs> Here we go. Right? We, we do. And, and if they're thoughtful, they do that, right? They say, oh, yeah, this was, the, this was the hand mixer that you gave us. So we hand mixed something for you. 
And that, I think, is, is more in keeping with, with our passage here this morning as we think about gifts. Someone uh, years ago, a, an older, wiser man than, than, than myself, who ironically was a student in one of my classes, said something very simply that stuck with me. He says, God gives to us so that he can give through us. Love that. It's easy, it's memorable, and it's very much in keeping with, with what we have here. God gives to us so that he can give through us because we are stewards. We have been made stewards of grace, not hoarders of grace. We, we hold with some derision, right, that the, the picture of, of the fine china place settings that we you know, got for our wedding and they go in the china cabinet, locked away, never ever to be taken out. Never ever to be actually used to serve anyone. It's like we're waiting for the Pope or somebody. Or, we're, sorry, we're not Catholic, but um, if, if we were, <laughs> I'm sure if the Pope shut me, you, yeah, you could use that to serve the Pope. Um, so I think uh, what we have here in this passage, it's a very short verse. Uh, it's a good one that is easy to memorize and, and, and chew on, but it's very rich. And so I want us to mainly stay in this verse and the surrounding text. We might go a, a couple other places, but I want us to see what this has for us. I think in general it has two things to say to us. It teaches us, number one, why we serve one another. And number two, it tells us how to serve one another. It gives us some, some actual practical suggestions. And we could come up with a lot of practical suggestions outside this text, but I want to start uh, in the text itself. So let's, let's look at it uh, more closely. So number one, why are we to serve one another? Now, it would be very easy to make this, to, to jump right to the, well, you know, because serving is good and all of that and we ought to serve people and make this sermon the kind of, hey, let's all get out there and, and, and try harder and do more, be better and all of that and preach the kind of sermon that a non-Christian would feel very comfortable with. What do I mean by that? to suggest that the only thing we need to do is just, well, we just need to obey this and get out and do that. Skipping over that first phrase, as each has received a gift. Let's, let's really absorb that. Now, some of you, you, you read that, you heard that, you thought, wait, is, is Peter talking about spiritual gifts? Like the kind that Paul mentions in, in, in second, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, you know, like teaching and, and, and prophecy and tongues and, and service and acts of mercy and things like that. Well, it, it's the same word that's used, but as one commentator uh, asserts, Peter doesn't seem to be as, as worried about itemizing all of those things. Rather, here's, here's what this commentator says. Here the word refers more generally to the gifts of God's grace in the fullest sense. Okay, in, the, in the context as a whole, it's the gifts of God's grace in the fullest sense. The, the, the root is connected to that word at the end of the verse, um, God's, uh, referring to God's varied grace. And so what we need to start with is not the particular gifts, but the gift that everyone in the church has received if you are truly a member of Christ's church. 
and that is the gift of eternal life. It is fruitless to try to serve the living God if by doing so you think you can earn favor in his sight. That's what's different about the Christian faith. So we can't make any mistake about that. We need to start with the gift we have received, capital G. For God so loved the world that he gave. And we must receive that gift in faith. And that's going to change the character of our service. This isn't just a, 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 an abstract theological point that we need to make. This has practical implications. It's the difference between serving out of, out of a frantic fear of guilt or, or, or just dry duty or perhaps paranoia like, I, I just, I just want to make sure my good works outweigh my bad works when I die, Right? No, we have received the gift of eternal life if we have received Christ in faith. And he has wiped our slate clean and he has declared us righteous before God the Father and he has sprinkled our consciences clean and freed us to serve the living God. As, as Kenny preached last week from Galatians, we are free in Christ and we use our freedom to serve one another. Why? Because Christ bore our burdens so that we can then bear one another's burdens. So we, we need to start there. The first reason we serve one another is because we have received the gift first of eternal life and we have been given, yes, other gifts as well. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. Second, if we, go, if we just look at verse eight, another reason we serve one another is because service, in this context, it's an act of love, right? Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. That's the overarching uh, idea here. And, and the way we love one another is to serve one another. And love communicates something about God. When we serve one another earnestly, we communicate the love of God to them. So we serve one another and as an expression of God's love and grace through us. We also look number three in verse eight as well. What is it about, what does love do? What does it accomplish? It, it covers a multitude of sins. We love one another earnestly by service because it covers a multitude of sins. First, because Christ has covered the multitude of our sins, all of them. And, and by my act of service, I can't cover sins in the same way that Christ's atoning blood covers sins, but I can do it in a derivative sort of way because when you serve someone who is a fellow sinner, when you take that attitude that Christ had and said, you know what, I am gonna do good to you, maybe even in the face of someone who is your enemy, Maybe someone who has just sinned against you or reviled you or slandered you or is irritated with you or just rubs you the wrong way. There is a sense in which that act of service declares pardon. Your acts of service are like acts of pardon to fellow sinners. And so we need to minister God's grace in this way because 
love covers a multitude of sins. A fourth reason that we are to serve one another. You can see that uh, at the top of our passage here in verse seven, because the end of all things is at hand. Because the end of all things is at hand. Now this was written uh, almost 2,000 years ago and Peter had walked with Christ. He had seen Christ uh, risen from the dead and he heard Jesus say, I'm coming back. <laughs> okay, heard the angel say, he's coming back. And Peter believed it. And, and, and so if, if Peter was waiting expectantly, hey, Jesus could come back at any moment, how much more should we have that attitude? The, the, the longer history gets, the closer we are to Christ's return. And so there's a sense of urgency we should have. Our time is not our own, right? We should spend our lives in service to one another out of reverence for Christ, out of gratefulness to Christ because the end of all things is at hand. Our lives are short. The older I get, the more and more painfully aware I am of that. And then fifth, Jumping to the end of our, of our passage there, verse 11, ultimately, and this is what distinguishes Christianity, the gospel, a gospel-centered service from other acts of service, it's to glorify God through Jesus Christ that in everything, everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Christ has dominion over all things. He is our new master. If we are in Christ, he is, he, he's our master anyway, but if we're in Christ, we're his willing servants. We're his loving servants. He loves us, and he enables us to do his will, and he calls us to do that. So those are the reasons just here in the text as to why we serve one another positionally and practically. But the passage, I think, also gives us some suggestions as to how to serve one another. How are, how are we to go about doing this? Number one, right here uh, in, in our verse, it says we need to serve one another as good stewards. What's a steward? We don't use that word a lot, right? We don't say airline steward anymore. We don't say steward or stewardess. We say attendant, Right? They just kind of attend, okay? And they, they, they serve you every now and again. But, but a steward is a lot more, there's a lot more responsibility there, right? A steward is somebody who takes possession temporarily of somebody else's stuff and manages it and cares for it and wisely oversees its use right, protects it. So think of stewards as wise overseers or managers, okay? We need to be good stewards of grace, not hoarders of grace. I can't help but think that Peter, when he was writing this, had, had a parable in the back of his mind, and some of you are, I, I think, already probably there ahead of me, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 
Remember the, the, the parable of the talents, right? You have a rich master, and he goes on a, on, a, on a long journey, but before doing so, he entrusts part of his fortune to three servants, and he gives one five talents, talents being a, a unit of, of money, okay? He gives one five talents, and another one two, and another one one. He says, all right, you are to steward this while I'm gone, and he goes away, and he comes back a while later, and he calls all of his servants before him, and he says, all right, you're going to give account. What, what did you do with these, these talents that I gave you? And the first one says, well, I took your five, and I invested it. I, I, I made use of it, and, and, and it earned more. And so here's ten. He says, well done. You, you're going you're to be put in charge of more things. Same with, with the one who had two talents, but of course, you know the end, right? That one-talent one servant. You just imagine this guy going, oh, here's your talent back. What did he do? Remember? He buried it in the dirt. Why? Well, I didn't lose it. <laughs> Nothing happened to it. That's why you gave it to me, right? So that nothing would happen to it. So that, so that you would have it when you got back, right? And that's not the point. <laughs> the point is we are given those things, we are given those talents so that we will use them wisely. Sometimes I think God tests us in that way. As, as, as in the parable, the, the servants were tested. So we need to be good stewards, good managers of the grace that we've been given. Number two is to how we are to serve. We are to serve according to our varied gifts. It says stewards of God's varied grace. Varied grace. Parable of the talents illustrates that there can be variations in gifts in terms of quantity, right? Some people get five, some people get two, some people get one. There, there are some pastors who, they, they shepherd you know, churches of thousands and others of 20. There are some among us who have large families, some of us who have small families or are just trying to start a family. Some of us might not have a family except the church, but we have friendships. Some of us have a lot of friends. Some of us have few. Some of us have a lot of money. Some of us have less. Some of us have jobs that take us all around the world. Some of us have jobs that keep us just right here locally, okay? We need to keep in mind that God's grace is varied and not compare ourselves, right? i say, oh, well, why did he get two talents? Okay. okay, stay in your lane, right? So we look at the varied gifts that we are given and we, we appraise them and how can we use them? But also let's look in the passage here, verse 9. What, what, what verse 10 flows from is this idea of showing hospitality, Right? in the context of showing hospitality and doing it in a certain way, doing it without grumbling, without grumbling. I can confess this. I often serve 
but grumble about it. Do you ever, do you ever catch yourself doing that? Yeah. Um, it's easy to go from a, a, an attitude of service to self-righteousness, right? If you've ever started a sentence with all the things I do for you, yeah? You ever, you ever said that inside your head or outside your mouth? I have, and I need to repent of that because it discourages my children. And it, it is not a, a way to live with my wife in an understanding way. It is not a way to encourage or build up my students, right? So we need to be hospitable without grumbling. We need to serve one another without grumbling. Now let's talk about hospitality just, just briefly. Hospitality has been defined as creating a space. This is Cornelius Plantinga, a theologian. I like, I like his definition. It's creating a space of welcome in which you welcome others and so that they can flourish within it. It's creating a space of welcome so, and inviting others into it so that they can flourish. And that's the context in, in the early church where churches met in homes. That's what made sense, right? You practice hospitality because that's where church is. You welcome people. And you create a space in which you can help them flourish by bearing their burdens, by speaking to one another to, uh, in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And as it says in verse 11 in our passage, speaking as if we are speaking the very oracles of God. Now careful, that doesn't mean that when we open our mouths we're speaking for the Lord. That should be obvious, right? Okay. What it means is we need to have a mindfulness when we open our mouths. We need to ask ourselves, will this be edifying? Okay. Let no unclean communication proceed out of your mouth except that which is useful for the edification of believers. Right? Avoid silly talk and, and coarse jesting. Right? Rather, give, give thanks. Okay? So we are to use our mouths within, hus within a hospitable place in order to serve one another. So that's one way we can all serve one another. It might not sound as grand as, as uh, you know, taking, taking a long journey to go to you know, some far remote place. Maybe your place is right here. Maybe it's just within the context of your household, your roommates, your siblings, your aging parents, your empty nest where, hey, it's kind of quiet around here. Let's get some more people in who we can encourage. How else do we serve one another? I think in light of God's varied grace, we need to do it with humility. Because we know that God's grace is various, right? We all have different, different spaces in which we can welcome others. Some, some of our spaces are very small. We don't have a lot of margin, but what we, what we have is what we have. So, but we ought to have humility because God is sovereign. God knows who we are. He knows the gifts he's given us, and he's given us those gifts for a reason, we, we can't be more scrupulous than God. So we should have a humility realizing that just as in the parable of the talents, sometimes he gives, you know, different degrees 
of, of, of gifts. And, and as it says, uh, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, he gives various gifts. Why? Because the body of Christ can't just be a gigantic eyeball. Right? I, I, I was thinking about, you know, just the, the worship team up here is a great metaphor as well. We can't have six drummers. I mean, that once, that'd be cool. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. But, but, that's not going to sustain the worship of the church, right? It's not going to be as enriching, right? Right? And the same is true in, in the body as a whole, right? God has given each of you gifts. He's given each one of you talents, financial resources, material resources, a space, a dwelling, influences, jobs, friendships, people in your life, and he can use it, even if it's little, even if it's small. Finally, the way we serve one another, according to this passage, we cannot neglect this. And again, this is what sets Christianity apart. Verse 11, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. God supplies the strength. And how does he do it? By the gift that he gives us when we receive the gift of Christ by faith, the Holy Spirit. That's how he started his church. He gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to indwell us, to fill every believer, to empower him or her to do his will on earth until he comes. All right? And so we, it, it's so easy to get into the mentality of, well, I'm just really good at this, and so I'm going to do this, and I'm just going to do it really well. Why? Because I'm awesome. And, and, and that's when, you know, you've started to drift a little bit. I, and, and I know what that feels like, usually too late. Okay? So we need to be mindful always that what we do, we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that should give us an attitude of dependence, right? That's the attitude that comes with it. It's an attitude of dependence. If we walk into a situation, we should never have an attitude of, I got this got this, right? We say that a lot. Like, oh, I got this. Now, God has this. You have no idea what he's going to do. <laughs> this thing could go sideways on you. And, and some of the most amazing grace-filled encounters I have witnessed and been privileged to be a part of are the times when we're like, this, this is going to be a mess. This is going to be a train wreck. And we cry out to God, the Lord, handle this. And he does. <laughs> he shows us his power. He shows us his love. He shows us his mercy. And we go, wow. What, why did we doubt? I don't know. Because <laughs> we're stupid. Yeah, because we're sheep, right? Yeah. So how do we serve one another? We do it as good stewards, as wise stewards, recognizing the things that we have we do it according to our varied graces. We do it in humility, and we do it with the strength that God supplies. So grace, let us 
Consider now how to serve one another in love in the various and wonderful ways that God has equipped each and every one of us to build up the church, Christ's church. Not Grace Church, but Christ's church. I love the fact, you said it again, Andy. Anybody catch that? When she greeted us this morning, she said, good morning, Body of Christ housed locally in this building, right? And when we leave, we spill on out, right? It's not just, yes, we're here now, but, but we're wherever, Christ's church is wherever believers are, right? And, and wherever you are, you can help build up the body of Christ. And it's so great to hear all the stories. I'm gonna pray for squirrels, that's great. Yeah, pray for, Lord, send a squirrel. What does that mean? Okay, is that code? Yeah. Um, but again, it would be easy to, to sort of, you know, have our takeaway, our application be, all right, now here's a list of ministries, uh, and please fill them. We, and, and we could do that, you know, and we, we often do. We call for things like, hey, we need more children's, uh, you know, Sunday school teachers. We, we need some more volunteers at food bank and things like that. But but we all, we all have different gifts. And, and, and I'm gonna leave it up to the Lord to put things on your heart, either by way of conviction or encouragement. Things maybe, maybe he is leading you to do, or maybe things that you just need the assurance, yeah, no, God has given me this, and I need to keep on this and not be distracted. Uh, I, I've been reading a book recommended by our dear friend, uh, brother Ralph Wagonette, uh, and, and the book is called The Imperfect Pastor. And uh, in God's providence, uh, this, this pastor is writing out of texts about things that I've been, I was thinking about and, and reading about in preparation for this sermon. And I'd love to share some of, some of his uh, challenges and quotes because I think um, it will both convict and encourage you, I hope, as it has uh, convicted and encouraged me. So, um, as we're about to enter a time of, of just sort of personal meditation about, yeah, taking stock, what are we stewarding, let's, let's take these words to heart. He writes, as you enter ministry, he's thinking of pastors, but this could apply to, to anyone in the body of Christ. As you enter ministry, you will be tempted to orient your desires towards doing large things in famous ways as fast and as efficiently as you can. Whoa. Take note. A crossroads waits for you. Jesus is at that crossroads because almost anything in life that truly matters will require you to do small, mostly overlooked things over a long period of time with him. And so he goes on to say, questions pester me. Do I possess the stamina for going unnoticed? Can I handle being overlooked? Do I have a spirituality that equips me to do an unknown thing for God's glory? That, that hits me hard 
But I love, what, one of the things I love about grace, and it's been said before, I'm just gonna say it again, I know this body serves one another in wonderfully secret ways. And, and, and those of you who serve your families, your friends, your grace groups, your Bible studies, your, your extended relatives, your neighbors, your coworkers, even your bosses when they're against you, all, all of you, you do it in these wonderfully secret ways and you don't, you're the kind of people who aren't looking for credit because you're Christ followers. You're in it for his glory. And that's what we ought to be about. I know, Eric Tonis loves to say it, you guys serve each other in sneaky ways. I love that. And I know you guys serve each other in sneaky ways. So, well, that's, par- that's paradoxical. If it's that sneaky, how do you know? Well, you don't know that actually I do know about your sneaky way of serving. There are people in this room, I know some of the sneaky ways you've served, and you don't know that I know. <laughs> and I'm going to keep it that way so that you don't lose your reward. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we need, we, we need to have this mentality, right? We're not in it for the accolades, right? We're just faithful servants of Christ, doing it out of gratitude for what he has done. Let me get one last, one last thought from, from Zach Eswin, the imperfect pastor. God has given you a handful of persons whom you are meant to love. Wait a minute. Hasn't God given me a lot of people? Well, possibly. But minimally, he's given you a handful. Start there. Your your close proximity friends, families, neighbors. You needn't become somebody else or constantly look over the shoulders of those people who are right in front of you. Attending to God's work among the faces, names, and stories where you are is to do already what God considers significant because you are a part of Christ's body. I love the testimony that William Lane Craig gave when he was with us, and he's coming next week, and oh, William Lane Craig, he has such a a wide reach, right? He's he's spoken to thousands, and he debates and all this stuff, and to hear his testimony is just stunning. You know why William Lane Craig came to faith? Because a girl in his lab, in his science class, smiled with the joy of the Lord on her face. He says, why are you so happy? (laughs) And she told him. Something as simple as that, something as small as that, God can use that and he will use that. I think, I don't don't know this for sure, but I hope that in eternity we're going to hear all those backstories. That God is going to pull the curtain back and say, all right, you're going to call a name. Hey, come forward. What? <laughs> you remember when you said that thing? No. Well, I do. And here's what happened. Here's how I used it. God can take the little and make it big. Right? I got something little for Christmas. It's here in my pocket, I think. It's so little I can't find it. Yeah. This is a bottle of frankincense. 
Yeah, I got frankincense for Christmas. I asked for frankincense for Christmas. Why? Because my mom had a bottle in her bathroom, and I smelled it, and I went, I love frankincense. Now, I know you're judging me. You're like, that's pretty presumptuous to ask for frankincense for Christmas. <laughs> my mom will tell you I was no baby Jesus. I still aren't. <laughs> but I smell like him now. If, now, I, I got my finger on the top of this thing. This is 100%, y'all. If, if I were to let this go, you'd know, okay? It's little, but it's potent. Nathan, can you smell this yet? It might even be, okay. Some of you are like, yeah, unleash it. Let it go. Come on, come on, do it. All I do is just keep this bottle and go, yeah, what, what's, what's in the bottle? Frankincense. Oh, cool. What's that like? I don't know. I haven't opened it. <laughs> okay. I'm hoarding the gift. I got it because I, I love the smell of it, and I think other people might like the smell of it. And I put it on my beard a little bit. It's like, yeah, all right. You, keep, you should feel good in the morning. And it reminds me that when we go out, wherever we are serving, we are to carry with us the aroma of Christ. We're to be the aroma of Christ. We're to radiate grace. God gives to us so that he can give through us. So in the, in, in the just closing little bit here, I want to, uh, good friend Jenny loves to say, we do awkward well here at, at Grace. I, I want us to have just some, some awkward moments. They don't have to be awkward. If, if, we're, fo- if, we're, if we're prayerful, I want us to take some, some good long moments of silence for you to sit maybe with that bulletin if you want to write some things down or just sit prayerfully. Maybe you just need to marshal your prayers and ask God to show you how to apply his word today. What are the things, what are the gifts he's given you to steward? Maybe Today is a good day to take stock of the things, the gifts that God has given you to steward in your life for his glory. Maybe write those things down, pray about them. He might be calling you to a new stewardship or he might be simply encouraging you to keep going with the stewardship you have. So let's take some moments and do that before Kenny comes up and leads us in sung worship.